Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, I'm Gavin Emmett, and this is the BT Sport MotoGP podcast. Today, I'm joined by Keith Ewan and Julian Ryder here in the Czech Republic at Bruno, ahead of round 10 of the season. We're just days on, of course, from the Austrian Grand Prix and Andrea Iannone's maiden MotoGP victory in a round which saw the leaders in all three classes cement their places at the top of the standings. So, boys, not a bad week, was it, for Andrea Iannone? Birthday on Tuesday, Saturday on pole position, Sunday wins his first MotoGP race, and then... Gets the private jet off to Ibiza for a bit, of a, a bit of a do with his pals afterwards. Which he denies any kind of party. He claimed he was at home. I don't Indeed. believe him. I don't believe him either. You don't need a private jet and that many female companies to uh, <laughs> when you go home, I suppose. But, I mean, finally, finally, Ducati get it across the line. One, two. It, it was what it was, was expected. But, of course, trying to live up to that expectation is always so hard and on that particular track as well you couldn't be sure because the weather had changed all week long and he stuck with the soft rear tire option which worked for him whereas Dovi outthought the situation went with the slightly harder version and it didn't make any difference at the end the soft version that Ian only had on worked for him right to the flag it also fooled Jorge Lorenzo who thought the soft one would go off as well well because they were told so by Michelin and Michelin's advice before the race was you must go with the harder tie it's what you're going to need he oh. took the gamble Ducati although Gigi Dallinia said that on Saturday night he wanted both his riders to use the soft and they changed their mind after running the harder one in warm on Sunday morning although Ian only only made his mind up on the grid, on the grid. um no, you know, they had the plan in his head right from the start, and that was throwing the rest a uh, a curveball, mm. allegedly, Your Honour. <laughs> different you stories could, from different places. Uh, you can see uh, oh, these two staring unusual. each other it's, down. It's I sound, know why I stay, stay out of the commentary booth during commentary now. <laughs> <laughs> Oof, suddenly, get that aircon on a little bit, I'll tell you. But he didn't tell anyone about this this selection, did he? He didn't tell anyone until the grid. That's the main thing. It changed on the grid. He, he Basically, Michelin's advice was go with the harder tyre. Yeah. Ignored it, went ahead. Hey, to, to have paid off in a victory, all credit to him. The, the, the slightly perplexing side of this race, and forget about the tyres for the minute, is the fact that they were two seconds a lap slower in the race than they'd been all weekend. I couldn't quite work out why. We we talked about whether there was a fuel consumption situation. This is a fast track. Yes. They didn't. It was an unknown quantity. It's a fast track. They're flat out on it. Fuel mileage may have been an issue. Now, we don't know if they wound the wick down, but if they did, then Yamaha must have done the same because they weren't going... Uh, you know, it, it, was a, it was a strange day. That 46 degrees of track temperature on Sunday, 
either knock the edge off the, the overall lap times or the fact was that Ducati had wound it back a bit. As everybody else, as you said. Mm. And there was certainly Yannone after the race was talking more about having to be restrained not be just because of the fuel, but because of the tyre as well, so not to uh, run out of rubber. Had his moments, though, when he was behind Dovey, didn't he? Every time I flinched, we flinched collectively every time he ran out. If, if only Dovey had um, rear-view mirrors on, he'd have been... Uh... Memories of Argentina. Oh, yes. Uh, what about Dovey himself? Second place. Disappointed. Does that, that sum his career up a little oh, bit? No, that's, always that, an early man. Do you know what? That phrase you just said there, Gav, bang yeah. on. Bang on, sums his career up. He's a really good motorcycle racer, really good thinker, solid man. I mean, he finishes all his Grand Prix, doesn't hardly ever crash unless someone assists well, him with it. This will be his 250th race on the bounce. Mm, exactly. Your point, I think, yeah, uh, I mean, you're going to say I think we made, even saw you? it back in the 250s when he used to race Jorge Lorenzo. He was always there, but just never but quite was, had that moment. That was almost he? miraculous because Lorenzo was on a factory Yamaha. Mm. A factory Aprilia. Uh, sorry, a factory Aprilia. I do beg your pardon. And Dovey was on a Honda that was several years out of date. Which is why, if you remember, that, that I, I really did think that Iannone was the man that should have stayed at Ducati in the first place because he, he just had that more potential, I think I said at the beginning of the year. He looked like he had more potential. Now we're going to see something interesting to see whether th they can turn the potential of Spielberg into something here. Yeah. Yeah. I think also the trouble is, from Ducati's point of view, you know they had the um, potential to upset their new employee rather a lot. Yeah, Mr. Lorenzo, of course. Hey, Interesting that there was... A, I, love the, I love the quip on Twitter. Yeah. There were three Ducati riders on the podium. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he did Simon seem happy. Even, even com making comments after the race. Oh, it looks good for Ducati, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's all yeah. uh, those kinds of things already. Right, we've got a Twitter question uh, from Troy McGee. Do you think Ducati could potentially ride the crest of a proverbial wave and pick up more wins this season? Do you know what? That's a, I don't think so. I actually, I, I think that there, there is the potential. Once you get that logjam gone, once you've had a win, it lifts a whole team. It lifts the riders as well. But for some strange reason, I'm just questioning whether they got the right blokes to do it. I think when you've got Lorenzo there, perhaps they'd be able to pick up on that. This is a tough track they've come to now. I wouldn't say this is a Ducati I'd track. I'd say this is a Jorge Lorenzo track, wouldn't you? Well, I would. I mean, I, I just think that this Yamaha, you know, the yeah. Yamaha with Jorge Lorenzo, although the weather forecast is iffy this weekend, mm -hmm. and that could, really, and it could really upset Jorge's momentum. You know, everyone's talking about Jorge's back because of what he did last time round, but... But is he that confident in the wet stuff? We had three. He had three race meetings off, effectively. Before he one came. of which wasn't his fault, but he'd done the tyre in. So, yeah, you're right, actually. The, the race weekend here last year, um, Ducati went well during practice and just didn't actually quite translate to race day. So we know they can go well. We always talk about that hill, don't we? Coming back horsepower up the hill. hill. Horsepower yeah, horse, hill. Horsepower hill, that's for sure. That's God's own dyno, I think. I can call. I think, did, did Neil Spalding call it that? I think it's I think God's, it was, I think it was a, sp a Spalding. Uh, yeah, I quite like that. Quote. So well done, Neil. Jürgen you know van der Gerberg said it first and Spalding polished it up. Just well, to, all good uh, journalists. Yes, plagiarizers. Just reporting. <laughs> but could that play to their strengths, perhaps, this weekend? Perhaps it will. We'll wait and find out. It's a question of whether the Yamaha have got, you know, if they hit the mark. The biggest disappointment for me last time was Valentino. He had pace right from free practice one, looked really, really good, split the Ducatis on the front row of the grid, and then seemed to have just do not, fade yep. in, in fourth place. He uh, just uh, couldn't match them. The man who was happiest was Jorge because he achieved the two things he could do at the weekend. He knew he couldn't beat the Ducatis, but he beat his teammate and took a few points out of Marquez. And the bike he's on next year won. 
So, so it was good in another way as well. Um, it will give them some credit. I just want to say about Ducati as well. What about the work that Dalinia's put in on that bike to turn it from where he went, where they were you know, going with the CRT regulations, making the championship almost change around them to becoming race winners again? What about the journey they've been on? I think that what Dalinia done you can't lay it just at his door. Basically, he pulled together all the strands that were working yes. very well. But and, someone uh, had to do it. They, they had to do it. And, yeah. and that's what Delaney's job was. And he brought together some very, very good strands at Ducati and made it where it is. Yeah. But you, you've still got to answer me. Why, what, why all the... Um, the you know, two fourteen point three, and the and the all the old bikes are going so well still as well. I mean, it's just, uh, Ducati, they have their strengths, don't they? Inherently, Ducati have strengths on different racetracks. I mean, uh, maybe it's force of numbers or something. There's so <laughs> many of them out there. Yeah, you're right. Delinia's genius is in managing some of the uh, the mess, the mess, and making sense of what was a disorganised mess at Ducati. And Delinia has organised it, got it pointing in the right direction, and that is his genius. Um, we've uh, mentioned Jorge Lorenzo and that he probably will go into this weekend as the favourite here at Bruno, this being a Yamaha track. What about Marquez, the man who's leading the World Championship? Remarkable. Tough, Remarkable. tough weekend last time out. Remarkable. To, to do what he did. I've dislocated my shoulder. Uh, yeah, the, the fact of the matter is, is that, that he popped it back in on the scooter on the way. It, went, it dropped back in on yes. the scooter on the way back to the pits. When he put a jacket on, I didn't believe that he'd actually had a dislocated shoulder yeah. because to, to go through that rotation of putting your arms in a jacket, yeah. a long sleeve jacket, I thought, nah, that's not dislocated, but it was. And uh, that fifth place, damage limitation. You talk about Jorge did what he did. Jules said a moment ago, yeah, he's he's gained some points on Mark Marquez, but not as many as Five he might points, have thought. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly, Keith. I think that's a very good point. And the way Marquez was talking just now in the uh, pre-event press conference was about, this is not my favourite track. Um, you know, we'll suffer here like I suffered at Le Mans. It's the two we know. And uh, I think he, he's going to be quite happy to but see a small points loss this weekend. The quote was, need to win minimum two races more. That's Mark Marquez. Yeah, yeah, but he has got tracks later on in the season that will he'll really fancy his chances at. Of going Aragon, in particular, is going to be one of those he'll be thinking about uh, doing the business there. Japan, S you S might S think Ducati Sepang. might have something. Sepang as well, I think would be the would be. Couple. You know, if you were a gambling man, those would be the two you'd be uh, saying are the racing certainties. I'm glad you brought Sepang up. Why is that, Keith? Because of the Valentino Rossi, uh, uh, Marquez shenanigans of before. <laughs> and when asked by uh, the good old MCN uh, journo, Simon Patterson, uh, about doping, it seemed to be a question that was way off scale. I didn't quite understand where it was coming from or I why. I think he must be doing a story on doping because he's asked in other uh, briefings today. And, uh, and it was the fact that, that up came Mark Marquez saying that when he was, doped, when he was being tested, he realised that Jorge was as well because Jorge tweeted it. And, uh, and Jorge really amusingly turned around and said, we were together, no? <laughs> and Valentino Rossi had the stoniest face I've ever seen. It was just hilarious. Yes. We Do were together, no? And, of course, all those pictures of them two cuddling and stuff that people put together with yeah, yeah. the conspiracy theorists. And uh, it's just a very funny moment in the pre-event. Pre yeah, I, I, I understand that historically one rider from each class has been on the anti-doping programme who has to, and therefore, like Olympic athletes and cyclists, has to let the authorities know exactly Exactly where he is, you know, at an all hour per day. times. Yeah, an hour per Quite day. Quite right too. And I think all the riders, 
across the the, the press conference yep. were, were were more than happy with that. They 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 yes. all pretty much agreed. Paul Spargo said he was on it the first year he was in Moda Grand Prix, yep. and was tested six or seven times. And now he hasn't been tested since. He says there is a happy medium there. They do be, test yeah. them a lot if they're on the podium. That if that's yes. why. Yeah, but those those two done together on the same day, it would seem. Yep. It was uh, because like they are the seven. two on the program. Yeah. It was Cal Crutchlow last year as well, yep. and he get, kept getting woken up at uh, God knows when in the morning. Oh, to... he's getting used to now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now oh, actually, young Willow. Speaking of Cal, I had a word with him earlier on, and he said, yeah, when I went back, um, Willow, the, the new daughter, she slept, slept through till 4.30, had a feed, went back to sleep till 8. I came, I've left, and I've come here. Apparently, she's been up all night, yeah. so <laughs> Cal's escaped all the uh, yeah. no, non-sleeping so far. Dads tend, Love to it cuddle, to come. dads tend to cuddle their children quite a lot when they're there, and then when they go... It causes all sorts of hell. <laughs> there speaks a man of experience. <laughs> um, just quickly about Valentino Rossi. He got a great record here, but the one thing I want to pick out is he won his first race here 20 years ago to the day that we're doing this podcast. Incredible that he's still going. We're talking about him coming back in the championship, still going on to win races. Do you know the thing that marked for me in the press conference just now that we've just listened to is when he looked at everyone out there and he said, I'm very proud. Yes. And I thought that, Absolutely sums it up. I mean, and it was really, you know, it kind of rips, pulls at your heartstrings yeah. when you, you hear a man like Valentino Rossi talk about being, and so he damn well should be as yeah. well with yeah. what he's achieved in those 20 years. One of the marks, one of the things you look for in a true great of a sport is longevity mm. at the top. And there has been nobody who has managed to stay at the top of this sport for anywhere near the length of time that Valentino Rossi has done. But I think the personal side of it, the fact it means so much to him, is what actually gives him that longevity. It's what gives him the determination to yep. continue. He's very proud of what he's done, and he just still enjoys it. It's incredible. And he still wants to win. You can see that. And he's going to have to do something special to bring this championship back. Could it start here at Bruno? Well, do you know what? He's done more this year than he's done in, in pr pretty much any other previous year with the way he qualified. I, he I knows what he's done. He's put himself in the position to try and win seven races. Seven out of nine front rows. It's incredible. Absolutely unbelievable. In fact, if, if you look at his nine. stats... Wasn't it? If you look Where at his stats over that? the... Might be he's look, uh, Julian's got that one down. I thought it was eight <laughs> out of nine. Julian's got seven out of nine. You'll be right, Jules. I won't check. I think you look I, at the stats when you look at the pole positions that Lorenzo and Marquez and Stoners yeah. and so on have racked up. He's got nowhere near the same amount because it's not something he ever... No. Did. He always it worked it to the race. It wasn't until the, the fight with Casey Stoner he said, well, I'd better start qualifying on the first or second row because <laughs> otherwise, you know, he gets away. All he was ever bothered about for most of his career was getting the bike right for the race. That's the remarkable side of Valentino. He's realised where his weak point was yep. coming into 2016. He's done something about it. But unfortunately, that blow-up in Mugello is going to haunt Yamaha or his side of the garage, of the Yamaha garage, because that blow-up just... Yeah, and the crash in Aston, which Valent was Valentino's... That was a rider error. Well, you say a rider error, but that was also a situation where signalling-wise, he th he thought he'd got a greater, uh, lesser gap than he had. Oh, really? And it was a situation yeah. where they hadn't quite coordinated. Because it was slightly confusing, he'd got a much bigger gap, and he was still pushing when he crashed. And that's the trouble. The soft tyre pushed him into a Mandelveen four mm. kilometres an hour faster than the old hard one had ever mm. done, and there went the front end. Well, that's all the top boys. What about the rest uh, last time out? Cal Crutch, I'm going to mention first of all. It seems we've just been talking about him. He's a little unlucky with a jump start. If you watch the footage back, he does pull to a stop you know, completely. Jump starts annoy the hell out of me. Um, mm. Those that cheat deserve to be penalised. But those that, 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 that 
in his case, had no advantage whatsoever. It was disadvantaged by the jump, and then he stopped. He stopped. And then went again. And that always disadvantages you. Uh, uh, they have a bit of a rule in Speedway, don't they? With, with the, yes. If you, if you anticipate the tapes going up, then they'll put the red lights on. If you've got an advantage, if you anticipated it and end up last into the first corner, they'll let it run. Yeah. My, my view is, is that with a jump start, if you have made an advantage from that jump start, you should be penalised. Um, if you've made no advantage into turn one or turn two, whatever you determine as your yep. your advantage point where you measure the advantage, um, because it just well, destroys a race, destroys you know your fan base for for that rider. And in this case, how many of them were there again? Five. Four. Five, Four. right. Five in total. Five, that's because somebody else yeah. got pinged later on, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Well, it was, wasn't it Crutchlow got pinged later? Yeah, it? there was four at the start, and, and then Cal yeah, got then added Cal to got it. one later. Brad Smith was saying that he missed that by the hair's breadth, because people only went, and he went. Well, that's what you do. He he, that's, of course, that's what he you pushed do. with his legs, and then realised, well, he was over the front. And your reaction, you are geared to something that's not, you, you've bypassed your brain virtually when it comes to your left hand yeah. as soon as you see somebody flinch pardon me for that yeah, when you flinch it's only your somebody, mind that makes something out of that yeah well, somebody, <laughs> when you see you don't even think it's yeah. not it's like your hand is connected to something else. your hand is connected to your eyes there's no there's no brain between it mm. and as soon as somebody flinches or that light flickers you're gone we might be telling you the peter collins hans nielsen story sometimes <laughs> well it's the second time we've talked about mate. isn't it after uh, after cutter at the start of the year it's something that maybe needs uh, looking at in some ways but maybe well i just think if you if you've not actually had a physical advantage uh, by turn one or turn two. If you if you are, you know, if you start in the front row, but you you end up being twelfth into turn one. Yes, I mean Ralph Waldman at Donington Park many years ago, where he basically zigzagged between the front three rows. Well, you see, I'm, when I've had a jump start, I've gone. Because I know I'm going to get a penalty. Yes. So just yeah. go and well, make the most of it. Jorge Lorenzo. Jorge Lorenzo, yeah. yeah that's Texas right. didn't. Texas, yeah. yeah. should have just gone. Yeah. No, no. I mean, if you've, if you've jumped the start, you're going to get a penalty. So just go for it. Yeah. Try <laughs> and get your 30 seconds. It's going to cost you down pit lane. Get back a few of them in back. lap one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wise words. Eugene Laverty obviously was having a great ride uh, you know, in I feel the race. So and then knocked, out, knocked yeah. out in the last quarter by Danilo Petrucci. How? They did have a bit of a... A makeup session on Twitter. Well, didn't Pe- they? Petrux is a gentleman, and yeah. what he, he he held his hands up. He says, "I thought his use of English actually was very good, better than mine." I'm mortified. Yeah, you know, he said, "How how can I say so sorry?" Yeah, I'm mortified, and that shows the gent he is. But no doubt about it, he's in still... public on Twitter as well. Yeah. You know, that is. He got more fans than he lost. Although, yes. although Eugene did suggest maybe in Ireland, you know, <laughs> Eugene did suggest that. Uh, Espresso should be withdrawn from Italian riders <laughs> on race. A bit harsh, I think that will be. A... Well, that would cause some yeah. ruptures. Mind you, it? Eugene is still one of only two riders to have finished every race this but he season. He just didn't score points for the first time. Yeah. Problem he's got, Eugene. He's. I mean, there are one or two people who said the deal is done for World Superbike at the moment. I've been told that it definitely isn't done, um, and he still has a make your mind up session this yeah. weekend. But, but what about Alvaro Bautista signing for Aspar? Well, this that's week, the problem then. he's got because that's yeah. on a 2016 bike. And so that means that, that Eugene will only have a lesser machine, yeah. which will mean that does he have another year in MotoGP on a motorcycle that technically isn't quite up to his teammates because well, he's always going to be playing catch-up. That will not be... that For me, if I was managing him, which I'm not, and I don't think he does have a manager, does he, that works on this he stuff? He has his uh, brother, John. His, oh, yeah, John, of course. Sorry, John. Forgive me, Jay. Jay I've, I've forgot all about that. So they have a, a decision to make. Do we stay in MotoGP, where I still think he's got unfinished business because he's still good enough, but he's 30. At some stage, he needs to think about making money. World Superbikes, plus the fact if he signs, if he does this deal, will he be out of sync then with the World Superbike contracts? 
will he get to the end? Of, if he's got a one-year deal, mm. if he's got a one-year deal with MotoGP, he'll then be out of sync with both MotoGP and World yeah. Superbike, which means he yeah. will be out of contract and possibly have no ride in a yeah. year's time. Exactly. Uh, it's it's really is a catch-22, this, isn't it? Well, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, I think I, World I, Superbike. I agree with Keith. I, I think World Superbike. I think that's my personal view is is that if I was managing him, I would be steering him towards that. He's 30 years old. Yes, there's unfinished business. Do you know the year that mucked up for him, in my view? Brilliant I, know, two, I know what I think. Brilliant 250cc rider, but that year on 250s in Grand Prix held him back by a year, and it's almost like he's never quite recovered from that. He had the chance, basically, to... to, to um go to Pramac when Gigi Lalinia first came, because Gigi really is a okay. fan of Eugene. I'll take that as a backup then. That yeah, you should have done so that I can well. think of a couple then, yeah, Keith, and we're going to go that was way. A time, it was, again, it was a time when you possibly didn't want to be on those bikes. That was the... That's true as well. <laughs> Being time. devil's yeah, advocates at it. Uh, quite right. But the man who was going to be in charge of Ducati wanted you on a Ducati. Yeah, and he wanted, he's always wanted him. Gigi. Uh, Gigi's a fan of Eugene's. Mm. Um, right, uh, Jack Miller, who wasn't able to uh, race last time. Uh, <laughs> isn't able this time. And yeah, it looks like he's not going to be able to this weekend. It's just when you don't want to be picking up an injury, isn't it? I, uh, it's quite funny, because I, I, I saw Michael Bartolomei rushing to um, pull Mr. Trimby, Averta, uh, into the office this afternoon. Um, shortly before bumping into Ian Wheeler, who told me that, that Jack wasn't able to ride this weekend because two doctors said he was fit and two doctors said he wasn't. So um, And Honda. That vertebrae at the back. Honda yeah. did the right thing by withdrawing him. I think if you leave it to the rider in those circumstances, yeah. you're, you're, oh, you're letting him injure himself more. You, we know what riders will do. They'll And what a place this is for yeah. the potential to crash. Yeah. yeah. And mean... a satellite Honda, Gav, Keith, round here. Mm. What's he going to get? Two points? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. The risk um, analysis. And he's 21 not... years old. Yeah. He's rescuing him from himself, and HRC Absolutely. has done the right thing. So, but my, 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 my reason for mentioning Michael Bartolomei, whenever I see a team manager rushing to, the, to uh, placate or, or to, to converse with somebody like Mike Trimby, I always wonder what's going on there, whether they had somebody in mind to jump so on Mike the bike Trimby, for Mike Trimby, of course, who, who runs ERTA, yeah. the Racing Teams Association. Yes, the people they'd have to go to. Interesting to thought. Yeah, uh, interesting so thought. We'll have to play this tape back and see yeah. if it's yeah. completely wider than Mark, or if there is something going on. Uh, Romano Fanati leaving um, Valentino's <laughs> organisation. Mm. Do you understand that Honda... I understand that Honda also put the uh, the nicks on him going straight yeah. to another motor So he, he talked straight away on Sunday, I believe. He was talking to Onjetta on Jetta's about the, team the possibility of riding their bike, but Honda put the uh, kibosh on that straight away. If you yeah. want a race winner, though, there's one out there drifting at the moment. And Honda's view, I understand, is next year, fine. But for this year... He's going to pay a penalty. ...to disrupt the team. I'm still trying to work out... Just finally, well I just want to round up last weekend... What's our final word on the Red Bull ring? What about it? The track itself, somebody didn't like it. Did like it, but what about the, the place itself? I think fantastic Grand Prix. Really, really good Grand Prix. 215,000 people trackside. Had a great feel to it. That little skinny road along the front, I thought, we're going to have a nightmare getting in, we're going to have a nightmare getting out. We had neither. They managed it really well. They kept people in campsites and put on a massive, great push bike uh, field. And I laughed at. Yeah. I just laughed. I thought, what's this? This is, this is like the Northampton planning people yeah. putting a push bike rack in a place that no one's ever going to use and yet it was full on the on race day because people, people parked a couple of miles away and used their push bikes so a great deal I of thought, thought it was a triathlon oh. <laughs> <laughs> don't go all Yorkshire on yeah, us Gav we, we know they're winning again well great, done great Grand Prix but they had a great air display 
and the, even the tunnel under the track to the to the media centre. Yeah. You know, all the world champions from motorcycle. One racing. little bit of laziness in there, though. They left the John Surtees picture did, up yeah. from Formula One still in his car kit, yeah, not but in did, his bike. But kit. they did change all the. But text. they changed the text. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm really trying to trying hard to find a fault. Well, it is a car track. Yes, they probably didn't think about the the change of gear. But uh, I, I've got to say, Red Bull Ring is is known for Formula One, obviously, and there were a few safety issues, you know, potentially that are going to be changed now from from now on in. But but it went well. It looked well. It was a it was a great Grand Prix. I thought. I agree. What uh, fantastic! It, yeah. If they go back to a bit of the old track, get the old Hellelix chicane in again, it'll yeah. be awesome. Well, there is talk that they are yeah. going to bring that that all back into play, isn't it's it? Not it's not short of a bob or two, is it? <laughs> Do you know what? I also heard today that's the first time he's made money out of that track. That that the MotoGP weekend is the first, he bought it as a as a play thing, Massa Stitch. Yep. And uh, that is the first time it's actually <laughs> physically made any money when MotoGP came on site. Did I say his name wrong? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the reason I'm I can see Gav, Gav's giggling. Gav's, Gav's a multilinguist here. I'm, I'm the idiot. Uh, <laughs> Go on, how do you say it then? Matashits. Oh, does he? Apparently. <laughs> well, well done. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> Two reasons to understand Mr. Hewins from Essex there <laughs> in one sentence. <laughs> I will move on to Moto2 quickly. Um, Joan Zarco, he is in such good form. Odds on now, surely, to be the first Moto2 rider to retain the championship. We just can't, we run out of superlatives for his performances and how he's got back to where he was last year throughout this season. Well, you know, I've got a theory on that. He keeps challenging himself, doesn't he? And, uh, I mean, doing a backflip in Lederhosen after you sweat it, I mean, <laughs> that's a challenge in its own. Hey, that's how to win over a crowd as that well, That really is. I'll tell you what, <laughs> Massachusetts might have made some money out of the racetrack. <laughs> But he must have also paid a lot for the privilege of MotoGP because Carmelo Espeleta does not dress up in lederhosen <laughs> for no good reason. That was a cracker. <laughs> that was a cracker. <laughs> I mean, that was my highlight of the whole oh, We could tell, Gav, you were... Uh... Brilliant. I have to say, anybody yeah. that challenges Carmelo with an yeah. interview when he's in... I thought, on the gridwalk, you and Hodgie, oh, Mick Doohan, Mark Webber, that's it, you can't top that. Yes, you can, Carmelo in lederhosen. Yeah, <laughs> knobbly knees, all of them hairy. Um, <laughs> wonderful. We, we, we know Zarko's uh, going to be up there, but I just want to mention quickly Sam Lowe's and the weekend he had. Uh, he tested, but they didn't get much time after the race when we were in uh, in Austria. What's left of his season now with 55 points, the gap between himself and Zarko? Is he, has he got his head I, in I, the Prilia too much? I think there's a little bit trouble in camp there at the moment. I think that Sam, he's lost any kind of consistency he had and the momentum is not in a forward direction at the moment. I think that I would think that Roger Burnett, his manager, will be talking quite strongly with him now, yes. trying to give him yes. guidance. Because he will be, Roger, won't he? He will yeah. be. Uh, Roger, Roger understands the game. And, and to try and recover, I mean, I think the World Championship, with well, certainly with Zarko on the kind of electrifying form he's on and the consistent form he's on, championship's gone for, for Sam as it is at the minute. But race wins haven't. He's had one exactly. race win. He's had one race win this year. He's got to get back to race winning form. Yep, exactly. I think you're spot on, Keith. And there is, and I, I admire Sam. I really like Sam. We all do. But perhaps a little bit more listening, and taking a little bit of advice. I know what racers are like. They've got to work it out for themselves. They don't like advice, even from people like the team and Roger Burnett, his manager. Well, the other thing that I've noticed since I've been back here that you, you there seems to be more. Rider, what's the word I'm looking for? The spotters, for? you mean? No, no, I'm thinking more of the way that, that some of the teams suck up to the riders a bit more nowadays. It seems to be that riders seem to have a little bit more 
more control and more say within teams. And, and I think sometimes that, 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 that strength of management has drifted a little bit. Interesting. Not, not in all teams. Well, it's only an observation that I'm making. Interesting. From, I don't think you're far from the truth uh, on that I one. think you've probably got a point. And I think that strong management, the old Colin Wrights of this, uh, yeah. this age. You know, Who from, both our ex-world champions used to labour under. And, you know, your Livio Supos and, and, yeah. and the like that, 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 that stamp the feet and, you know, say... Agumasan at Honda. Yeah, there's some very good management here, but it just seems at the moment riders have become, you know, a little... I'm, I'm trying to think of a word. They're, they're, they're trying to placate them too much. They, uh, they all think they're Valentino Rossi. Well, that they ain't. Tests have shown. Um, we'll move on to Moto3. We've uh, talked about Romano Fenati. He won't be riding this weekend. But he will be replaced by Lorenzo Della Porta. That's a good, good replacement. He won't be very. here this weekend, though, in Bruno, because he's still recovering from a bit of an injury. I want to talk about our latest Grand Prix winner, though, Joan Mir. Great form when we saw him in chequered flag. If you want to listen to that, go back and listen to the last podcast, because uh, he's in that one. But he's a, a good new name. He was great in the Junior World Championship mm. last year. Future star on our hands. Three pole positions, all converted at Spielberg. Absolutely outstanding. Joan Mir, that was nearly 12 months since a pole position man yeah, in Moto3. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. actually won the race. Bastianini so, at Mazzano. So to convert a, a, a Moto3 race from a pole position to a race win is pretty special. And didn't he do it well? It wasn't like the Red Sea parted in Incredibly front of him, well. was it? No. Sat at the back of that group, Yeah, made his choice to get to the front when he did. And yep. And he's a fantastic advert for cosmetic dentistry. He in, really uh, is. Palma de Mallorca. <laughs> what a set of gnashes. <laughs> and he can use them. I hadn't noticed. He has. He's got the brightest teeth in the world. Oh, really? Because you, you interviewed him personally, whereas we were looking on the monitor. Yeah. They come out really bright. Oh, yeah. right, I can okay. hear the cameraman Fat. shouting, rat! <laughs> <laughs> Um, what about Jorge Navarro crashing out? Um, Fanati gone now as well. Well, that's done it, this, isn't it? This title surely is <laughs> well going done, down south. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we give it him now? Going down south. <laughs> south of the equator. And, right? You know, the one thing about that I really like about it is it's not a traditional heartland. I remember we had Gabor Tamashi when he won from Hungary uh, a few years ago. But it's not a heartland. It's not Spain. It's not your Italy. It's not yep. Danny Kent winning last year. I know we haven't had Grand Prix winners or, or champions from Britain for a long time. But for one to go to South African for the first time in a, in a long time as well. well it's great for Corky the sport. Corky Ballington, I suppose, would yeah. be the... Eckerold, uh, uh, did he ever... Eckerold won. Yoni, but, Yoni yeah. was 1980. He won his world title on a 350. Um, Cork, I think, was definitely 1980, Jules, because I remember racing. I, I, know. I led I led at the Nürburgring from the third row, and the first man passed was <laughs> Hello, Yoni Eckerold. Hello, jump starts, hello. And Yoni Eckerold, no, we all had jump starts in them. Oh, good, push starts, wasn't it? It was called <laughs> anticipation. <laughs> anticipation of the bloke. Anyway, um, <laughs> but... <laughs> Yoni <laughs> Eckerold was the first pass, person past me and then uh, Anton, Anton Mang was next and those two, whoever beat whoever, uh, were, were going to be world champions and it was a dogfight. And they would have qualified, I think, third and fourth on the 500cc grid around that 14-mile The old mile ring. And it was Factory Kawasaki versus very private by Moto Yamaha. I've had all this today. Thanks very much, Keith. Thanks, Julian, as well. Make sure... Uh, you at home, download our review podcast, which will be following the race here in Austria. And remember, you can watch every single session live this weekend on BT Sport 2. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 